and service. And it's not going to take very long, but it's very important because we're going to be talking about budgets. Money is never a boring topic. And it's always exciting to see how God provides for everything we need. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Okay? So just relax. Release the death grip on your wallet. And we'll talk about family finances, okay, after the service is done. Just before we get started, too, I've got some really great news. There was a really cool event that happened yesterday afternoon right here. And in fact, most of these empty pews were filled with family and friends of Len and Alma who got married. Where's Len now? Stand up, Len. These kids got married yesterday. Thank you. Please be seated. God bless you. There's a lot of kissing, but that's all Len's idea. I kept telling them to kiss because people want to take their pictures. And, you know, you don't want a picture of someone going like this. You want an action shot. Anyway, it was a a great celebration. And God bless both of you. It was so, it was an honor to participate. Now, I promised the elders that I will do my level best to expedite what I'm going to say today. So we can save some time for our family meeting. So as we continue uh, looking at Advent and anticipating, remember last week we talked, um, what did we talk about last week? What was the word for last week? Watch. Ah, okay. I mean, if you don't get the answer to that one, I'm sorry, there's not much hope for you. Watch, the whole idea of observing and being alert and paying attention to Jesus coming back. The word for this week is... Prepare, right? One of the songs we're uh, singing as we close off today is Joy to the World. And one of the refrains is, let every heart prepare him room. So it's all about getting ready for Jesus, making space. We've been going through the Gospel of John and looking at some of the signs that God used to um, back up the claims of Jesus to be God. Anybody can claim to be God is quite another thing to back up that claim. And we've been going through a series of remarkable stories and signs about how Jesus demonstrated that he truly was God. I think uh, this, this one, this Sunday, I mean, I hope you're sitting down. Churches really should come equipped with maybe helmets. Everyone should be wearing a helmet when they come in because God wants to rock this place. And this story this morning is so amazing. It's incredible. Now, in order to facilitate following the story, we will again turn to the high-tech equipment placed in your pews. It's called a Bible, or a Biblia, or a Biblisante, or whatever you like. I'm running out of languages. I can't do German. Sorry. It's John chapter 11. Jesus knew that he was going to be raising Lazarus from the dead. He went there with purpose. He wanted to see the grave. That's why he delayed his uh, arrival. He could have gone there earlier and possibly healed Lazarus and preventing him dying. 
But Lazarus had already been dead for four days. That, that wasn't a swoon. That wasn't a coma. It was, he was DOA. Okay? He was dead, wrapped up and buried. And Jesus shows up to demonstrate in front of this huge crowd that he is God and he is the authority over sin and death. But why is he so moved? It's not just because he's missing his friend. I think because he's looking at the human condition and he's angry at sin and death because they are the enemy of humankind. I got a, a fearless prediction. Everybody here is going to die someday. Unless Jesus comes back first. But they talk about death and taxes being you know, inevitable, as well as maybe the Jets scrambling to get into the playoffs every year. But death and taxes are inevitable, and certainly death, right? Everybody's going to die someday. Sin and death are the ultimate enemies of humankind. And Jesus knows that. And he's angry. He's angry at the curse that human beings have upon themselves. Part of the consequences of disobedience against God the Creator is that we die physical death. Part of the, the consequence of our rebellion against the Creator is just the brokenness we see. In, uh, you know, we were praying about it in the offertory prayer this morning, you know, that the brokenness that we see, especially in some desolated of the world where people can't get along and hate each other and it goes on for centuries and centuries and centuries. It's the curse that we brought upon ourselves when we do not obey God's law. Jesus came to set us free from that curse. When we sing the song at the end of the service, Joy to the World, we're going to sing a verse in there that says, He comes to make His blessings known far as the curse is found. And what that means is this. As far as the curse of sin has spread around planet Earth and wrapped it up in just a vice of gloomy, inevitable destruction, the power of Jesus comes to break the power of that curse and bring blessing instead. So when we do stupid things to mess up our lives, when we do foolish, self-destructive, sinful behavior to mess ourselves up, Jesus comes to proclaim his blessing and break the power of the curses that we put on ourselves and other people and set us free. Now, stay tuned. This is why Jesus is angry at the tomb of Lazarus. Not because, darn it, I wish we'd been here on time, I could have stopped this. He's just angry when he sees the havoc wreaked by sin and death. And I think he's figuratively rolling up his sleeves and he's getting ready to do something really dramatic. So Jesus is weeping and he says, where have you laid him? Where is he? That which brings us to Act 3. Finally, some great news. 
Jesus, once more deeply moved, he comes to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone. And he says, okay, get rid of that stone. Martha, ever so practical, says, Lord, he's been in there four days. The smell is going to be awful. Decomposition will have started. And I don't want to see my brother. I don't want to smell my brother. He's dead. And Jesus says, look, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? All right. Get the rock out of here. Get that thing out of the way. Jesus looks up and he does something very interesting. He doesn't say, abracadabra, come out, Lazarus. You know what he does right at that point? And I marvel at this. But he's done it before he's performed other miracles as well. What does he do? Anybody following along? He gives thanks. Why? He's supposed to be doing something dramatic. His friend is dead. Come on, the, the, the stone's been rolled away. I'm sure the smell is starting to waft out of the tomb. Isn't it time to do something? Man of action? He prays. He talks to his Papa God. And he says, Father, I am so glad that you always hear me. But for the benefit of everyone standing around here, I just want them to know that you have sent me. Father, it's, it's good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're about to do. There's something about thanking God. If, if we are asking him to do something, there's something about putting ourselves in that posture of receptivity and gratitude and trust and thanking him even before he does what we're going to ask him to do. There's something very powerful about that. Anyway, Jesus says, thank you, Lord. And then, this is the cool part, he goes up to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come on up, man. Come forth. And there's Lazarus kind of pottering out, like all wrapped up. He, I don't know if he was hopping or stumbling or whatever, but somehow he, he emerges out of that tomb. It is absolutely remarkable. And Jesus very practically says, okay guys, well let's get this stuff off him so he can breathe. He's obviously breathing now. Get this stuff off of him and release him. Loose him and let him go. How many of us are bound up in our junk like Lazarus and we're kind of, kind of alive, kind of, kind of surviving? set free by Jesus. Uh, what about buying us off? Jesus is also saying to us, I, this literally happened, okay, I'm not talking about figuratively, but, but figuratively speaking, I think many of us are bound up in whatever junk we're dealing with today. And we need Jesus to loose us and let us go. We need a mini resurrection of our own. We'll get to that in a minute. So anyway, um, it was remarkable. Lazarus is back in the game. And some commentators, as I was studying for this, said, it's probably a good thing Jesus called Lazarus by name. Because if he just went into a cemetery and said, come on out, we don't know who would have shown up, right? <laughs> kind of remarkable. I mean, Jesus is operating in the authority of his father, right? So people would have to respond. So I don't think he'd say, sorry, not you. I was talking to you. Anyway, it was Lazarus that he directed this to. 
Uh, this was remarkable. And there was such a big crowd there. People were um, gobsmacked. That's the English word for amazed, right? Now, unfortunately, it's not a, it's kind of a happy ending to the story, but not totally. Being, it was good for Lazarus and Mary and Martha and Jesus, and that was great. But what happened next was not so good because many of the Jews had come to see, visit the family and mourn. Jesus messed up another good funeral. Boy, he, he messed up funerals wherever he went. I was just getting into that wake and all of a sudden the person's alive again. Well, I guess we'll cancel the wake and turn it into a party. But after that time, some of the Jews rejoiced. Many of them believed that Jesus was who he said he was, but many of them went back into Jerusalem. It was only two miles away, and they ratted Jesus out to the authorities. And they said, you, you'll never believe what happened. This Lazarus guy, he was dead four days, and this Jesus character raises him from the dead. You won't believe what's going on. And the head priest, Caiaphas, who was mentioned this morning in one of our readings, he blew a gasket. He was so upset because the, the Pharisees couldn't decide, you know, this guy's performing signs again. Everyone's going to believe in him. Then the Romans are going to come in, wipe us out, wipe out the country if this man is dangerous. And other people were saying, I think uh, even Nicodemus and some of those guys saying, well, you know, maybe... was not intentionally being a prophet. But in the Old Testament, God used a donkey to proclaim his truth. So apparently in the New Testament, he may have been using a two-legged donkey to proclaim his truth and his kingdom. And he was saying, it's better that Jesus die than the whole country get wiped out. He was inadvertently um, uttering a, a prophetic word. So after that, But this story about Jesus having authority over sin and death speaks to me today because it makes me wonder, uh, maybe this is something we all need to address, what do you, what do I need Jesus to bring back to life? Is there something dead in our life? Is there an area of our life that we need resurrected? Is it our passion for Jesus? Is our spiritual life is kind of eh, we kind of feel on life support? Is my marriage on life support? Is it dying? Are the relationships with my children, my family, extended family, is that in intensive care? What do we need Jesus to resurrect? How do we need Jesus to intervene in our lives today? Because the same Jesus in that beautiful window over there is alive today. He's not some far-off icon that we maybe, in case of emergency, break the glass and pray. He's here with us today, and that power exists to intervene in our lives.
Now, as I was thinking about this application, I was thinking about it very carefully because I'm not a TV preacher. This is being recorded. I'm a, this is being recorded, but I don't have really nice teeth, and I don't have perfect hair, and I'm not trying to sell you anything. Okay? So I'm not like some of those characters that you see on your screen that want to tell you God will give you anything you want, period. But I will tell you that the risen Jesus is alive and he's here and he's willing to intervene in our lives to resurrect that part of us that needs resurrection. He is alive. That power is here today. So I want to ask you how are we going to prepare our hearts for Jesus this Advent? What kind of junk needs to be cleaned up with his help? What kind of attitudes need to be changed? Maybe our faith needs to be stretched a little bit so that we can make room for Jesus in our lives. This is not meant to make anybody feel guilty or bad about if someone is whispering in your ear right now, you're such a bad Christian. I can't believe you actually came here. What do you think you're trying to prove? In the name of Jesus, tell that voice to shut up because that's not the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit, I think, is inviting us today, for those of us who have ears to hear, the Holy Spirit is saying, you want some of this? Is this resonating with you? Are you, are you at all intrigued? Are you need, Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you want more of God? All right, then you're in a good place. Because I think Jesus came to resurrect us. And maybe there's a part of your life that needs resurrecting. You need some hope. You need an injection of hope and love and faith and joy. Jesus can provide that for you today. It's not a band-aid solution. We're not going to make a wave a magic wand can happen, but God can change us. He promises to transform us as we give our bodies over to Him, as we give our minds over to Him, He will transform us by the renewing of our minds so we can walk in the truth, absorb the truth, and live the truth. That's how I'm going to pray for us today. And then I'm going to tell you uh, about two opportunities coming up at Evening Chapel. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would transform us, that you would resurrect the parts of us that are dead, that we have been just been left for dead on the side of the road. We need hope, we need your power, your energy to change us and, and transform us into what you're calling us to be. So I pray that you would satisfy the need of every seeking heart here today, that you would draw people to yourself and that they would find what they need in you. Thank you for the story about Lazarus. It's going to be great to meet him someday and hear that story face to face. Looking forward to that. Amen.